This is episode 370 of the AWS podcast, released on May 24, 2020. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Leisha here with you. Great to have you back and I'm flying solo for this particular episode as Nikki Stone is away but she will be back for the next one so fret not. Lots and lots of very cool updates today. The first one being in the topic of infrastructure. We have not one but two new regions for our customers to use. We have the new AWS Africa Cape Town region and the new AWS Europe Milan region. Now, this brings the total number of regions available to you to 24 and 76 availability zones. So this is really exciting to bring AWS Cloud Computing much closer to even more customers around the globe. So we're very excited that those are available for you to use right now. Moving on to the topic of the AWS Marketplace, there are now standard contracts available for you. Now, the standard contract for AWS Marketplace and enterprise contract for AWS Marketplace lets customers alleviate lengthy negotiations, decrease time to contract, and build at the speed of cloud. So this uh, expanded standardization allows all customers to access standard license terms and simplify software procurement. So standard contract for AWS Marketplace is built for customers of all sizes from startups to enterprise and offers well-balanced license terms for public product listings found in the AWS Marketplace. Now, you can review the standard contract for the marketplace terms and you can leverage the terms across eligible products, which means you don't have to negotiate contracts for every single purchase. So this is a real improvement in time. Let's talk the topic of analytics. Amazon Kinesis Video Streams now has an API to support easily retrieving your media clips. So this is the Get Clip API, and this makes it super easy for developers to retrieve media stored in their Kinesis Video Streams. So you can use the API to synchronously generate MP4 clips for offline playback. So you can share playable clips, do long-time archival of interesting events, file-based processing via machine learning, and lots and lots of other things. So this is a very cool new capability. AWS Data Exchange introduces configurable encryption for data exports to Amazon S3. So now you can choose when you're exporting your data assets to your S3 buckets, you can specify the encryption configuration that you would like to apply to the destination S3 objects. You can configure Amazon S3 server-side encryption parameters and you can choose whether to encrypt it using the Amazon S3 managed key or an AWS KMS customer master key as well. AWS Glue now supports serverless streaming ETL. So this feature makes it really easy to set up continuous ingestion pipelines that prepare streaming data on the fly and make it available for an analysis in seconds. So these can consume data from streaming sources like Amazon Kinesis, Apache Kafka, can clean and transform those data streams in flight and continuously load those results into Amazon S3 data lakes, data warehouses, or other data stores. You can also use this feature to process event data like IoT event streams, click streams, and network logs as well. Now, these streaming ETL jobs run on the Apache Spark structured streaming engine, so customers can use them to enrich, aggregate, and combine your streaming data, as well as run a variety of complex analytics and machine learning operations. Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose now has support for streaming data delivery to an Amazon Elasticsearch service domain in an Amazon VPC tying all those things together. So now you can deliver that directly into your own VPC to ingest, transform, and 
handle that data in your Amazon Elasticsearch service that's running inside your VPC. Now, if you haven't used the Amazon Kinesis Data Firehose, it is a really handy way to reliably and simply load streaming data into data lakes, data stores, and other places. So you can capture, transform, and load streaming data into Amazon S3, Amazon Redshift, Amazon Elasticsearch service, and Splunk as well. So it's a really useful plumbing tool. Speaking of the Amazon Elasticsearch service, custom dictionary files are now supported as well. So this allows you to add those files to your domains and you can specify synonyms, stop words, segmentation files, etc., to improve your indexing, matching and search relevancy. Now, previously you could only include these directly in your mapping, which could make them a bit unwieldy and difficult to manage. So now you can have a lot more flexibility and make it a bit easier to run it. There are now some new cost controls for Amazon Redshift Spectrum and concurrency scaling. So now you can monitor your usage and associated cost for Amazon Redshift Spectrum and your concurrency scaling features within those. You can create daily, weekly, and monthly usage limits, and you can define actions that Amazon Redshift automatically takes if those limits are reached to maintain your budget with predictability. Kinds of actions you can do are logging an event to a system table, alerting with a CloudWatch alarm, notifying an administrator with SNS, and disabling further usage. So this allows you to control what you're doing and how you're doing it within the realms that you're comfortable with. If you're visualizing data, you'll be happy to know that Amazon QuickSight now has stacked area charts, legend actions, and more. So you can now create a far richer visual style from the visuals menu. You can configure the x-axis, metric and group by dimensions, lots more capabilities. There are also now clickable legends. So this allows one-click filtering and drill through on these actions. And the legends provide access to a visuals context menu with options to focus, exclude on the data point represented by the legend, navigate to external pages through URL actions, or filter a dashboard using filters. Moving on to the topic of application integration and a big one that we'll be doing a deep dive episode in is a new service called Amazon AppFlow. And this is a fully managed integration service that enables you to securely transfer data between software as a service applications like Salesforce, Marketo, Slack and ServiceNow and AWS services like Amazon S3 and Amazon Redshift in just a few clicks. Now, you can run these data flows at nearly any scale at the frequency you choose on a schedule in response to business events or on demand. It has powerful data transformation capabilities like mapping, merging, masking, filtering, and validation. So you can get really rich, ready-to-use data as part of the flow itself without additional steps. Now, AppFlow automatically encrypts data in motion and allows users to restrict data from flowing over the public internet for SaaS applications that are integrated with the AWS private link, which also reduces your exposure to security threats. So the initial release supports Amazon S3 and 13 SaaS applications as sources of data and Amazon S3, Amazon Redshift, Salesforce and Snowflake as destinations. But as I said, deep dive coming. The Amazon EventBridge Schema Registry is now generally available for all customers. The EventBridge Schema Registry stores event structure or schemas in a shared central location and maps those schemas to code for Java, Python and TypeScript. So it's easy to use events as objects in your code. Now, schemas from your event bus are automatically added to the registry when you turn on the schema discovery feature, and you can connect to and interact with the schema registry from the AWS console, APIs, or through the SDK toolkits for JetBrains, including IntelliJ, PyCharm, WebStorm, Rider, and VS Code. So this makes it much easier to share a schema registry across accounts and organizations. And so any developer in your organization can now easily search for and access events in a shared registry and also add their own schemas for anyone else in the organization to use. So this is useful in really large organizations where it's hard to keep track of all the events and it makes it faster for the developer to find a schema and use it as an object in their code. Now, the EventBridge Schema Registry is available at no additional cost 
and the discovery feature has a free tier of 5 million ingested events per month and a fee of 10 cents per million ingested events outside of the free tier. AWS AppSync enables support for generic WebSocket clients with the GraphQL real-time subscriptions. So AWS AppSync is a managed GraphQL service that makes it easier to develop applications by letting you create a flexible API to securely access, manipulate, and combine data from one or more data sources. Now, you can also have support for WebSocket operations, so you don't have to manage that yourself. So it really takes that complexity out of the picture and lets you just use it and get the benefit from it. Moving on to the topic of compute. The Amazon Elastic Container Registry now supports manifest lists, which increases the choice of different CPU architectures and operating systems you can use in container applications. So for example, by adding AWS Graviton ARM instances to existing clusters, you could uh, get more performance or better cost. Using manifest lists, you store image variants for different hardware architectures such as x86 and ARM, and operating systems such as Linux and Windows as a single container image in ECR. And clients like Docker can then automatically pull the right image variant for each architecture and operating system when starting those containers. So this helps simplify your build and deploy workflow as you use a single image and tag instead of embedding per architecture image references throughout your CI/CD scripts. So really powerful feature to make your process much easier. Amazon EKS, the Elastic Kubernetes service, has had a complete redesign of its management console to make it easier to deploy and manage EKS clusters. It now has a wizard to simplify cluster creation and provides additional information about the cluster components. The cluster management page has also been updated with a tab layout, which makes it much easier to understand and modify those cluster components. And speaking of EKS, it is now up to version 1.16 for all clusters. Now, this is a rapidly evolving platform, as you know. Some of the highlights of the 1.16 release include volume resizing support, Windows GMSA, the finalizer protection for service load balancers, uh, that's going to beta status, etc. Um, plus two of the more popular Kubernetes extensibility mechanisms, custom resource definitions and admission webhooks are now moving into general availability status. Now, be aware that there are a number of deprecated API removals in this particular version. So check your documentation and also links in the show notes of how to make sure you do that the right way. Another update for EKS is it now has Fargate support in Frankfurt, Oregon, Singapore, and Sydney AWS regions, as well as the existing ones. It's available in eight different regions now. And this makes it even easier to support running containers on AWS Fargate while you're managing your cluster through EKS. And the EKS team was super busy. They now have what's called managed node groups to allow fully private cluster networking. So this ensures that only private IP addresses are assigned to EC2 instances managed by EKS. So previously, EKS managed node groups assigned public IP addresses to every EC2 instance started as part of a managed node group. And this ensured cluster connectivity in most networking scenarios, but also meant that public IPs would be assigned to nodes running in private subnets where connectivity to the public internet was not desired. Now you no longer have those public IPs assigned. An update for Amazon Linux 2 AMI with .NET Core and Mono, the Mate desktop environment has now been added. So customers can run .NET applications on Amazon Linux 2 without paying Windows licensing costs, along with PowerShell Core, which gives them a shell and scripting experience similar to Windows. The addition of Mate as a pre-installed and pre-configured component now allows customers to use and administer Amazon Linux 2 instances running their .NET applications from a GUI interface without using the command line. AWS Elastic Beanstalk has announced general availability of Amazon Linux 2-based Node.js, PHP, Go, and Ruby platforms, so they're all up and running and ready for you to use. 
And another really interesting update in the world of Amazon Linux 2 is kernel live patching. This is available in preview, and this allows customers to patch security vulnerabilities and bugs in the Linux kernel without reboots and disruptions to running applications. So as a result, you get improved service availability and better security posture while keeping your infrastructure secure and up-to-date with ease. Now, this feature is offered to Amazon Linux 2 users at no cost, so something great to experiment with and see how it fits into your own environment. And speaking of Amazon Linux 2, we now have Amazon Linux 2 Ready Partners. This is a special partner program that runs quality assurance and security tests on their software and provides support for their products on Amazon Linux 2. We now have genomics secondary analysis using AWS Step Functions and AWS Batch. This is an AWS solution that creates a scalable environment on which you can perform this kind of analysis. The cloud formation is out there for you to use and it's a fascinating solution. And finally, on the topic of compute, we now also have AWS Lambda Ready Partners. These are developer tools reviewed by AWS to help AWS customers build serverless applications and run code without having to worry about provisioning or managing servers. So these include AWS validated solutions for deploying, managing, monitoring, and securing customers' AWS Lambda functions. And AWS Lambda Ready Partners follow AWS best practices for integrating with AWS Lambda and have proven to deliver value for customers developing serverless applications. Moving on to the topic of cost management, we're pleased to introduce AWS cost categories. These are now generally available. You can now categorize your cost and usage information precisely to your organizational structure and cost allocation needs, such as teams, cost centers, geography applications, and more. You can create these unique categories and then write rules on which costs belong to each group. And after defining your unique category, you can view, track, and optimize those cost categories in the AWS Cost Management suite of products. So you can use AWS Cost Explorer, AWS Budgets, AWS Cost and Usage Report. It's really up to you. You can also map your costs through the Categorization Rule Builder, and you can use the Rule Builder Adjacent Editor or API to write category rules so that a group of accounts are categorized as a unique unit. And instead of filtering for multiple accounts in Cost Explorer Budgets or the uh, cost usage report, you simply filter by the single business unit to monitor its spend. This is a very powerful new capability. And AWS Cost Explorer right-sizing recommendations now integrates with AWS Compute Optimizer. So now you can get your EC2 right-sizing recommendations powered by the Compute Optimizer straight in the AWS Cost Explorer. So this can help you get better efficiency in the environments that you're managing. Moving on to the topic of customer engagement, Amazon Connect decreases telephony pricing. So there are a variety of reductions in telephony prices around the globe. You can check the link to get the uh, information, but this really offers great benefit in terms of your cost control. And Amazon Connect now enables customers to interrupt Amazon Lex chatbots. So now you can interrupt a Lex chatbot mid-sentence to provide voice input without having to wait for it to finish speaking. The Amazon Simple Email Service, Amazon SES, now allows you to connect to a Amazon SES SMTP endpoint in a virtual private cloud through a VPC endpoint powered by AWS Private Link. So you can access the SMTP endpoint securely without requiring an internet gateway in a VPC. We'd also like to announce the general availability of Amazon Pinpoint custom channels. So you can now engage your customers through additional channels such as in-product messaging or social media. And marketers no longer need to learn multiple tools in order to reach their customers over a variety of applications. So using custom channels, you can leverage the already familiar Amazon pinpoint targeting and campaigning features to reach your customers on your channel of choice. And you can add new ones as needed. 
Moving on to the topic of databases, Amazon RDS for SQL Server now supports Windows authentication in more AWS regions. So you can now use it in the additional regions of US West North California, South America, Sao Paulo, Asia Pacific Mumbai, EU Paris and Asia Pacific Hong Kong as well. And there is now support for new minor versions for SQL Server as well. And so this includes uh, performance and security fixes and Amazon RDS for SQL Server supports them for Microsoft SQL Server 2017, 2016, 2014 and 2012 for Express Web Standard and Enterprise Editions. The Amazon Relational Database Service Data API Client Library for Java is now generally available. And this data API enables you to focus on building your applications without worrying about managing database connections or connection pools. Instead, you can issue SQL commands against an Aurora serverless cluster by simply invoking a HTTPS API endpoint. So it makes it a lot easier to get up and running. A few new minor versions supported for Amazon RDS for PostgreSQL 11, 11.7, 10.12, 9.6.17 and 9.5.21 are all now supported. And Amazon Aurora with Postgres compatibility for PostgreSQL 11 is available in all commercial AWS regions. Amazon Key Spaces for Apache Cassandra is now generally available. So this is a scalable, highly available, and fully managed Apache Cassandra compatible database service. Now this was known during the preview as the Amazon Managed Apache Cassandra Service or MCS. Um, it is now called Amazon Key Spaces for Apache Cassandra. And you can use things like the Cassandra query language, uh, Apache 2.0 licensed Cassandra drivers and developer tools you already use today. It gives you a consistent single digit millisecond performance at any scale. Tables are encrypted by default and data is replicated across multiple AWS availability zones for durability and high availability. And it offers you a 99.99% availability service level agreement within an AWS region. Amazon Document DB with MongoDB compatibility has now got improved multi-key indexing capabilities. So this makes it a lot easier to access your data. Uh, it now has support for indexing greater than 2048 bytes and the ability to create a compound multi-key index with multiple keys in the same array. On to the topic of developer tools. Amazon Code Guru Reviewer has now launched a new more cost-effective pricing model and essentially now it uh, only charges you for the new lines of code that you're adding to each revision or each pull request rather than doing the entire thing over and over again. And this gives you great insights into what there might be some possible defects, improvements, etc., that you can make to your code base. And it's now also improved the process for authorizing new applications. And this is based on customer feedback. So first time setup for each new application will be faster easier, more accurate, and can be performed entirely within the console. And it dramatically reduces the need to uh, manage any sort of security controls, etc. It's all kind of built into the experience to make it a lot easier to get up and running. Onto the topic of the Internet of Things, you can now simplify your IoT device registration and easily move devices between AWS accounts with the AWS IoT Core Multi-Account Registration which is now generally available. Now this reduces the complexity of registering devices to AWS IT Core and helps you accelerate the development lifecycle for your implementations. So currently many AWS IT customers receive a unique buyer-specific certificate authority from their component or device manufacturers. And then you use that certificate when registering and connecting your devices to AWS IT. Now the AWS IT multi-account Registration eliminates this step, allowing developers to register their device certificates without requiring a CA to be registered with AWS IoT. 
Now, lots of details into this. It's a very deep area, link in the show notes, but it's very, very helpful. And it relates to another general availability announcement, which is the AWS IT Core Fleet Provisioning, which is a new feature that makes it easy to onboard large numbers of manufactured devices to AWS IoT Core at scale. So particularly uh, original equipment manufacturers that are creating large volumes of devices need the process of uniquely configuring and connecting their IT devices that is not manual or time consuming. So now with AWS IT Core Fleet Provisioning, customers can automate and simplify this process with a fully managed template-based device provisioning and onboarding workflow. It sets up the devices with unique digital identities and performs the device-side and cloud-side configuration needed for each device to securely connect and operate within the AWS IT Core. Now, this happens automatically upon the device's first connection to AWS IT Core or whenever a device needs to receive new credentials or updated configuration, so it's a real-time saver. And AWS IoT Event Actions now supports AWS IoT SiteWise and Amazon DynamoDB as targets. So you can publish your actions into those additional components, which now includes AWS Lambda, Simple Queue Service, SNS, Kinesis Data Firehose, IoT Events, and IoT Core. Onto the topic of machine learning. The AWS Deep Composer now announces real-time visualizations for in-console model training and improved interactivity in learning capsules. Uh, this really makes it far more interactive to have a look at what's going on in your environment when you're understanding the performance of your model that you're training by learning about discriminator and generator loss over time and sampling the graph at various epochs to listen to the output quality. So there's a lot more interactivity so you can really learn more about what you're doing with this particular service. Very exciting one to experiment with. Amazon Translate now adds support for Mexican Spanish. Now, this is a neural machine translation service that gives you very fast, high-quality and affordable language translation, and it now supports Mexican Spanish. We're also pleased to announce the general availability of Amazon SageMaker Notebooks and expansion of Amazon SageMaker Studio to additional AWS regions. So this is a great capability that makes it far more easy to provision and get up and running with a notebook capability and also give you a very effective developer-like environment to build out your machine learning models. And Amazon SageMaker were not done with the work they were doing. They've also now provided support for Inf1 instances, which gives you high performance and cost-effective machine learning inferences. Now, the Inf1 instances are built from the ground up to support machine learning inference applications and feature up to 16 AWS Inferentia chips. Now, these are machine learning chips designed and built by AWS to optimize cost for deep learning inference. Now these are coupled with the latest uh, second generation Intel Xeon scalable processors and a 100 gig of networking to provide high performance and lowest cost in the industry for ML inference applications. Now you can easily integrate them with your Amazon SageMaker models. Amazon Transcribe Medical now supports custom vocabulary. So now you can add additional vocabulary into your particular model, uh, which allows you to create a basically a set of custom terms or phrases in a plain text file and upload it to an S3 bucket. And then you just point Amazon Transcribe Medical to the reference of that custom vocabulary and it will include support for things like out of lexicon terms, custom pronunciations, etc. We're very pleased to announce the general availability of Amazon Augmented AI or A2I for human reviews of machine learning predictions. Now, this is a new service that makes it easy to implement human reviews of machine learning predictions and it allows you to get rid of the undifferentiated heavy lifting of building and managing a human review process. 
So many machine learning use cases require human judgment to get high confidence predictions or to audit predictions on an ongoing basis. So for example, if you extract information from scanned mortgage application forms, you might need a human review due to low quality scans or poor handwriting. And I'll put my hand up to say I have very poor handwriting. <laughs> and uh, building the human review systems can be really time consuming and expensive and complex. Um, but now you can use the A2I capability and get all the benefits from that for you without having to build any workflows. Now this works with Amazon Textract, Amazon Recognition and custom models in SageMaker. We're also happy to introduce TorchServe, which is a PyTorch model serving framework. Now this lets you deploy trained models at scale without having to write custom code. Now TorchServe makes it easy to deploy PyTorch models at scale in production environments. It gives you lightweight serving with low latency so you can deploy your models for high performance inference. It provides default handlers for the most common applications such as object detection and text classification so you don't have to write custom code. It also provides multi-model serving, model versioning for A-B testing, metrics for monitoring, and RESTful endpoints for application integration. Now TorchServe is built and maintained by AWS in collaboration with Facebook and is available as part of the PyTorch open source project. On to the topic of management and governance. Amazon CloudWatch Synthetics, which we've spoken about in a previous podcast, is now generally available. So this is a feature that lets you monitor your REST APIs, URLs, and website content every minute, 24-7 and tells you when something is not going as expected. It lets you verify your customer experience even when there's no customer traffic on your applications. So the good thing here is it lets you discover issues before your customers do, which means you can react quickly and fix them. This is now generally available in 16 regions. CloudWatch Application Insights for .NET and SQL Server now supports AWS Lambda and CloudWatch Events. So if you're running your .NET core applications on AWS Lambda, CloudWatch Application Insights will set up an automated alarm based on dynamically identified thresholds for your Lambda metrics and provides out-of-the-box analysis for those logs and application traces associated with your Lambda functions. Also, you can now use Amazon CloudWatch Application Insights to detect and troubleshoot problems in your application due to AWS health events across your AWS account. Uh, Amazon EC2 state changes and deployment events on AWS code deploy, which means you can further reduce your mean time to resolution, which is MTTR, which is the important number you want to look at. AWS Config now has additional conformance packs. Uh, these are two new conformance pack sample templates to manage your environment. Uh, there is the AWS Control Tower Guardrails and the Sys Compliance Pack template as well. AWS Service Catalog has now got three new getting started portfolios. They have added the AWS Quick Starts, AWS Solutions and AWS Config Conformance Packs. So a total of 30 new well-architected implementations and blueprints that solve common enterprise cloud needs. Now, service catalog administrators can share these implementations and blueprints with their teams and give a developer self-service whilst maintaining compliant with organizational compliances and best practices. The AWS chatbot is now generally available. I know many people have been very excited to use this. This is an interactive agent for chat ops that makes it easy to monitor and interact with your AWS resources in your Slack channels and Amazon Chime chat rooms. So with the AWS chatbot, you can receive alerts, run commands to return diagnostic information, uh, invoke AWS Lambda functions and create AWS support cases. Previously, this was in public preview. It is now generally available. And last update in this topic, but one I know a lot of folks are going to be very excited about, AWS Control Tower can now set up new multi-account AWS environments in AWS organizations. So this allows cloud administrators and architects to set up a landing zone within an existing organization as well. So you get up and running faster and you get the control you want. 
Moving on to the topic of media services, AWS Elemental Media Tailor now allows you to configure ad break personalization for live streams with DVR-like time shift windows using the ad break suppression feature in that particular service. And this is really useful for long running events and really creating a more efficient and effective experience for your viewers. Now the topic of migration and transfer. We're happy to introduce the AWS Transfer family, which is fully managed support for SFTP, which we already had, FTPS and FTP. So any of those protocols, you can now use the AWS Transfer family to support the migration of these file-based workflows to AWS without having to modify end user credentials, scripts, network configurations, or managed servers. It really helps out a lot when you're dealing with some of these uh, existing capabilities that might be in your environment. And AWS DataSync has now enhanced monitoring capabilities with file level logging. So now you can get detailed logging for files and objects copied between your NFS servers, SMB servers, Amazon S3 buckets, and EFS file systems, as well as your Amazon FSx for Windows file server systems as well. Onto the topic of network and content delivery. Amazon Route 53 now supports domain name transfer between AWS accounts. So now you can move it across. Previously, you had to open a support ticket. Now you can do it as a self-service operation. It's free of charge. Doesn't affect either the renewal date or the contact details of your domain name registration. And Amazon CloudFront in China now has support for origin access identity. So this means you can restrict your viewers from accessing content from your S3 buckets directly by requiring them to retrieve the content through Amazon CloudFront's distributed edge network in China. Quick update on the topic of satellite. AWS Ground Station is now available in the EU island region. So just remember, AWS Ground Station is a managed service that gets you global access to your space workloads. And it allows you to easily download and downlink data to provide satellite commands across multiple regions quickly, easily, and cost-effectively without having to worry about building or managing your own ground station infrastructure. It's available today in six AWS regions around the world, and it really gives you great capability to build some very interesting new workloads. Moving on to security, identity, and compliance, you can now easily identify the identity responsible for the actions performed using IAM roles. So it makes it easy to figure out who did what using AWS CloudTrail logs. And using the new service-specific condition, which is STS role session name in an IAM policy, lets you define the role session name that must be set when an IAM principal user a role or application assumes the IAM role. Now, AWS adds the role session name to the AWS CloudTrail log when the IAM role performs an action, which means it's really easy to determine who performed the action. AWS WAF now supports Migration Wizard from converting your WAF rules from AWS WAF Classic. So if you've moved on to the new version, you can easily move across from the old one. And AWS Security Hub has launched the Foundational Security Best Practices Standard. This is a new security standard, and the initial release consists of 31 fully automated security controls in 12 regions and 27 controls in the GovCloud West region, with seven additional regions to be launched shortly. Now, these security controls detect when AWS accounts and deployed resources do not align with security best practices defined by AWS security experts. This curated set of controls helps improve a customer security posture in AWS and covers AWS most popular and foundational services. Now, this is available with a 30-day free trial with a single click of the AWS Management Console. The AWS Firewall Manager now supports organizational units for policy scoping. So this gives you better flexibility while scoping out your policies based upon your organizational design. And Amazon GuardDuty now simplifies multi-account threat detection with support for AWS organizations. You're detecting a theme <laughs> with the updates today. Uh, you can now manage GuardDuty for up to 5,000 AWS accounts in one place. So you can bring it all together and delegate out that control. 
Reminder, there's a 30-day free trial for Amazon Guard Duty with a single click on the console and is definitely a tool you should use. On to the topic of storage. The AWS Storage Gateway now automates creating new virtual tapes on Tape Gateway. Now, this is really important because it allows you to maintain the minimum number of available tapes that you configure and make them available to the backup application. So it means your backup jobs can run without interruption because uh, it would be really sad if you run out of tapes and they're virtual tapes. So you're not waiting to order them. So this builds them automatically for you, which is very nice. And the Storage Gateway has also increased tape gateway read and write performance by 2x. So now you can write to the cache twice as fast as before. So up to 5.2 gigabits per second, and you can read it up to 8.2 gigabits per second. So this makes it even better for your backup uh, speeds. And they've also been busy at work adding Amazon S3 intelligent tiering for file gateway as well. So now you get access to the automated tiering based on access patterns without impacting your performance or incurring any operational overhead. So this really eliminates the challenge of having to deeply understand your own users and access patterns. The system does it for you. You can now discover, review and remediate unintended access to S3 buckets that are shared through S3 access points. So you can now easily find those unintended access points and you can identify which access point allowed the access. So Access Analyzer makes it easy to identify and remediate those unintended access components. It's available at no additional cost in the IAM console and it's also available in the API as well. Amazon EFS, the Elastic File System, has uh, started to offer a service level agreement of up to 99.99%. So this improves our availability guarantee by a factor of 10. So that's a great improvement for our customers. And speaking of improvements, Amazon EBS now has increased the concurrent snapshot copy limits up to 20 snapshots per destination or region. So this gives you a dramatic increase of the previous limit of five concurrent copies. Onto the topic of customer enablement, AWS IQ waives fees until June 30th, 2020. So it is waiving both the 3% buyer fee and 15% expert fee from April 16th, 2020 to June 30, 2020. Now, AWS IQ is waiving these fees to support you in setting up and scaling remote work initiatives and to support the highly skilled consultants who provide these services. Now, AWS IQ enables you to find, securely collaborate with and pay AWS certified third-party experts for on-demand project work. So they can help you get started, get up and running and offer hands-on help remotely for a wide range of projects. And the final update this time around is for AWS Solutions. We are now introducing the multi-region infrastructure deployment solution. And this makes it easy to set up a multi-region high reliability architecture and to ensure the consistency of a workload by automatically validating and deploying AWS CloudFormation stacks into a pre-production and production environment across a primary and secondary AWS region. Now, this solution automatically provisions and configures AWS Code Pipeline to automate this continuous integration and continuous delivery pipeline for these CloudFormation templates. So it builds out a lot of that framework for you. So lots of updates, hopefully something cool in there for you. Nikki will be back next time. We do love to get your feedback. AWS Podcast at Amazon.com is the place for it. And until next time, keep on building.